0: But I think what's what's interesting about the wellness space is that it has opened society up to thinking in a more holistic fashion about how you nourish yourself throughout your life, and that is only valuable, you know. And I think um, when we get to midlife, particularly, it's often the recognition that the tools that have got you to this point aren't necessarily the ones that are going to help you get through the next stage. That that is the most important thing to mm. to recognize. And again, women who have almost come to the edge you know have almost got to a point where they're burnt out and 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 therefore they have no choice but to stop and rethink I think those women particularly are the ones that come back into the community with that story and that real desire to help us learn that you know this this kind of myth that women should be able to have it all and do all is not going to help you as you transition through the menopause
1: <laughs> welcome back to another episode of thriving through Menopause podcast the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And we think about how things are changing in the menopause world there's a lot going on with an increasing interest from big pharma and doctors and you know personally those of you that have listened to this podcast for a while or if you're new to it you'll know that i believe in informed choice for women having knowledge and being able to choose and master the direction that they want to manage their menopause in and so i'm delighted today to have somebody i have been following for a while on instagram and whose business i'm very excited about is really talking about how we can have ch- a mission to change the change so welcome to the show rebecca brown from m powder lovely to be here thank you for having me rebecca I mean, I've been following your business and, and really the community <laughs> that you're building, which I think is wonderful. But ha, let tell us a little bit about you and how this journey actually started.
0: Well, I will keep it short. Uh, but um, how did it start and a little bit about me? So um, I am a consumer researcher by trade. So I spent my career up until this point really listening very, very hard to what consumers were feeling, what consumers were looking for in their lives, which brands resonated with them, what they wanted from businesses and corporates uh, in the future. So I had a very um and I loved my job and I had a very sort of privileged role in that I was I was sort of tapping into all kinds of different conversations every day. That was kind of what I did. Um, and it was something that I found incredibly rewarding. Um, I was very, very happy uh, working in a creative industry that sort of took those insights on board and sort of almost held companies to account. You know, I was very much uh, focused on working with businesses that had an ethical mindset and really understood that there was a transaction that took place between consumer and company and that the best businesses were the ones that were looking to enhance life. Um, And then... um, About a year and a half ago I was merrily still doing my job uh, and loving it um, and I found myself increasingly struggling and the only way I can describe it and this is something I'm sure you've heard a million times before Clarissa is I just didn't feel like myself so I became incredibly anxious you know I I was going into board meetings presenting research which I'd, I'd done a million times before and suddenly just the anxiety that would hit me before those kind of um, interactions was, was, was awful. I wasn't sleeping. Uh, I was having hot flushes. Uh, I was waking up in the night with my sort of heart racing. Uh, I had a joyous outbreak of acne. That was fun. Um, and eventually I decided that I would take some time off and try and get better. And the first thing I did was to go to my doctor. And again, this won't be a surprise to you or any of your listeners. Um, but in going into my doctor's surgery, I had no idea about the perimenopause. I didn't really even know it as a term. And uh, it transpires that my doctor really didn't understand this life stage either. And so I was in an <laughs> unfortunate but very common situation uh, that we find women facing in the UK in that I was told I was too young. You know, I couldn't be menopausal because I was 45 and i was probably burnt out and tired and really the best thing for me to do would be to go to my local health food store and pick up some supplements and just you know take some time out uh, effectively yeah. um and this is the case for 75 percent of women in the uk and i think the stats are really similar across uh, most of the western world yeah. in that we will go to the doctors um 75% of us who go will also be turned away. So my experience of ending up in a in a health food store is the experience that pretty much the majority of women in society today um, experience. And I probably would have just shoveled product into my basket had I not been a researcher. And I think three things <laughs> struck me. <laughs> um, so uh, wandering down that aisle, feeling quite distressed and a little bit lost, um, I was quite frankly horrified by uh the, the sort of the brands I saw being played back to me mm-hmm. and it's probably because I am acutely tuned into that because it's my job but it genuinely felt like I was in a end of life aisle rather than a medical <laughs> style um, yeah. and I mean just the imagery and the the sort of the assumption that I'd probably be in my mid-70s and definitely have dentures and likely to be in a cornfield um, <laughs> I was kind of looking at this packaging and I was kind of thinking, who, who is this, like, who, who's ta- who are they targeting? And is it me? Because if it is, that's really quite distressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just thinking about my peer group, I was thinking, you know, none of the women I know would engage with these kind of brands from a pure sort of um, mindset and playing back the attitude you have towards life at this stage. None of them were doing that well. So that worried me. Um, And then I think when I started looking at the products themselves, I was confused because I understood by this point that I was not, I hadn't had my menopause, but I was perimenopausal. And I understood that biochemistry that meant my body was going through some changes. that are very different when you, you finish your period. And so I couldn't understand why there was only a menopause supplement. Like why is there just one, it's like a multivitamin, you know, it just felt like such a blunt instrument for this very sort of, um, complex biochemical stage that our body goes through why is there just one tablet Um, and I think the final thing that um really motivated me to act I guess was the fact that the the sort of the ingredients and the 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 dosages and just the sources of vitamins um, in these products I knew enough about you know that, that the bioavailability of them the quality of them it just wasn't good stuff in the majority of cases and that is a very long-winded way of me telling you how um, I guess I came to <laughs> create M because because in summary, um, I wasn't comfortable taking the product. It didn't feel like anything on those shelves was going to genuinely make me feel better in a way that I felt comfortable with. I wanted really to find the same things in the menopause space that I was finding in all other areas of my life. I wanted something that was natural. I wanted something that had you know some efficacy behind it, some proof of actually working and I wanted I I wanted brands that kind of spoke to me in the way that I you know represented female midlife in the way that I knew female midlife was not not in this kind of very very dated view of being kind of past your best and past real value to society which I think is is the sort of the the dangerous thing about this period in our lives
1: and I and I can Think that everybody listening to this program feels the same to this episode. I mean, you know, and I spend a lot of time making visual representations, you know, mm. to put in places. And I look and I go, I can't show that image. Oh my god, is this is this how the media is representing us in in various forms? Whether that, yeah. as you said, is on packaging, and I'm I'm equally as as disconnected as as you're describing. Um, and I know that you know there's a lot of effort we're trying to say this is not how we are, and mm. and so I'm sh- I don't know about you, but you know having also been a consumer researcher in a, in a bar's life, yeah, it feels like those brands don't speak to to women.
0: No, and I think it's it's fascinating because we're we're actually really valuable. So again, you and I will know from our our backgrounds that women often hold a lot of the sort of responsibility for household spend uh we're you know in a very privileged position in the western world um in that we are for the first time in history more likely to be in senior positions more likely to be earning more more likely at this life stage actually to be in work where maybe a generation or so ago we might have been retiring from the workplace much earlier we're we're working through our menopause and i think also we we're, we're sort of part of this new generational interplay where the millennial audience has influenced up And that's really the first generation I think that has done that. And so we, we as women in our mid forties upwards actually sort of relate much more closely to that millennial, you know, that generation coming behind us. And we, we expect brands to talk to us in that same way. You know, we expect, honesty and authenticity we expect brands to have a sense of purpose where they're putting something back in the community Mm -hmm. and what was very bizarre about the menopause space is it's just like a a a blank box where you suddenly lost that um that recognition of 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 how people should interact with with businesses and brands and i mean i think there's a laziness there i think it's you know sadly there's a there's a lack of recognition of the impact this has you know um we might be 51% of the population, but for some reason, the fact that every (laughs) woman goes through it, uh, doesn't really seem to have kind of uh, hit home. So I'm I'm constantly surprised by how little innovation and kind of interest there is actually in this life stage from a purely commercial point of view. Yes.
1: Um, Yeah, I think that disconnect by just how much of the total company spend uh, or household mm. spend or business spend Is done by us We most household purchases as you said are made by women in the household Mm. and we want I mean we look at inspirational brands now I mean for whatever what you think about Gwyneth Paltrow whatever you think about things like that she kind of sets up the kind of things that she talks about that we're interested in we're spending money on retreats and yoga and You know, a lot of the spend and the whole new lifestyle and health and wellness is female, yeah, and then you come to I the pile, and we look, and it looks like something out of
0: grandma. I feel like someone told me I had to pull on, you know, sensible shoes and elasticated waist. Totally, totally. And it's, uh and I think what's really, you know, on a positive note, uh, I think what's really exciting about what what we're seeing happening um, in in this space in midlife generally is that women have actually got a little bit tired of um, waiting for brands and media to catch up with the way that they see themselves. And I think that's why Instagram is such an interesting and fertile space for reframing midlife, because you're actually seeing women at the grassroots level presenting new narratives and new pictures, a new inspiration, actually, of what midlife should be and is Mm And they're far ahead of the brands. You know, if you look at other sectors where the brands lead popular narrative and and visual representation of, of society, we're seeing it completely flipped in midlife for women. And I think, you know, when you talk to women about where they go for inspiration, it's actually not the big brands that you would you would um, expect to be playing the space. It's these amazing women that they've found. You know, there's someone in Australia who's actually just sharing her life on, on Instagram, and it's so empowering because it's so honest and it's actually so beautiful. You know, these women are beautiful women doing amazing things or just living their life in a really authentic way. And I find that, you know, to your point about sort of empowered and the community we're building. I find that really fascinating that women are almost taking control of the reins now and going okay well, we're just gonna we're just gonna reframe it ourselves because you go, and you guys will hopefully at some point catch up and show us a little bit more respect um.
1: maybe or we just adopt millennial brands and adapt them in some way um and yeah. i and i think that's not just in one category but it's across the categories it's not just in the menopause but i think you mm. too that there is a you know, still a narrative that's very stuck in anti-aging is still stuck in somehow that we are not beautiful enough and we need to be younger or whatever it is. And and that's not quite coherent with how we as women see us. We don't want to look like we're 30 or very few of us do. We actually want to look the age we are and celebrate it and continue to celebrate And I think you're right. That's what Instagram is, is showing us that we're not ashamed of our grey hair. We're not. We're we're actually like our laughter lines, and we all want to be fit and well and healthy. But that's a very yeah. different representation to either I want to look twenty years younger, or that I have to be uh, apologetic for the way I look.
0: Yeah. No, I I totally agree, and I think I think the, the anti aging point is really interesting. So you are seeing again that that sort of um, embracing of uh, wisdom and aging well, and all the value that comes from having lived a life that's full, uh, across these social channels. And then you're seeing a slow sort of dawning amongst the beauty industry that that those terms aren't helpful. You know, so I think we will see uh, a retiring perhaps of the phrase anti-aging. You know, and I, I've I've had a number of conversations with beauty brands in recent months where there is an acknowledgement that perhaps that is now out of tune with the way that women want to be taught to. Um, and that this sort of positive um, sort of uh, recognition of what value comes from, from age yeah. is something that is, is the next thing to be to be focused and, and sort of harnessed from a sort of a brand perspective. Because um, we know from research that women are more likely to be happy as they transition through menopause. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a huge surge of creativity. Um, we're more likely to start businesses, um, yourself and I obviously doing that. Um, and you know, we're actually a better bet for investors. You know, we're more likely to succeed in our businesses because of all of the wisdom and life experience we've had. So I think those kind of narratives are really interesting when you think about what midlife should be. And, you know, hopefully for future generations, it not being this awful phase that you sort of approach with trepidation and horror, but actually something that's a liberation point where you get to become, you know, your full self, um, which is really exciting. I think
1: it is exciting. I think you've touched on that. We become our full selves. And what I absolutely love in this space is that we um, can be a different role model for the generation that's following us that a lot of I think um, younger women are still not quite there because the conversation hasn't trickled down yet I think that's a huge a huge part of what we have a responsibility as midlife women to introduce to start to talk about this with less fear-based language and I see that in yeah, your community yeah. how how uplifting and, and factual it is rather than the myth and misinformation that maybe we came up with or mm. just lack of information which you met with your doctor and that
0: unfortunately is very very common yeah yeah and I think um I mean you're absolutely right And I think one thing that that I found incredibly um touching and motivating about our community is we we have a survey on our website that encourages women to just share their learning. You know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, what you wish you'd known when you were younger. And so many of the women that complete that survey are postmenopausal women. You know, women in the late 60s and 70s who mm. are just so keen to ensure that other people don't enter this life stage with the same lack of knowledge and the same fear that they have. And they're sort of almost writing back to their younger selves is all about... It's really nice on the other side. You know, actually over here, a lot of the worries and the, and the um, you know, phony I'd known, some of the things that could have helped from a sort of mindset perspective and a sort of nourishment perspective. But actually being on the other side of it is in, incredibly liberating and exciting. And um, I love the fact that I think women are very, very good at this when they come together. But this desire to sort of leave things better for the future uh, generations who've come to this point I think it's just such a lovely warm thing to do because there's nothing in it for them that survey there's nothing they're not they've been through it in quite a painful <laughs> fashion often um, but to kind of give five minutes of your time purely because you're motivated to to try and ensure that no one else goes into it as blind as you did I think it's mm-hmm. just such a testament to how women can support each other.
1: Exactly and I and I think that is the beauty of being older that you can do that I mean I'm 60 now well I'm about so 60 in a few weeks time and oh, and now <laughs> you know, like, oh well I don't even feel that age you know what's <laughs> except that there's 60 years of, of experience which yeah. is scattered with how should we say failure and uh and and success and and yeah. things that I wish that I had known that I want younger women to know and I'm sure that's what you're seeing in your community too. yeah yeah,
0: yeah exactly and i think also just there's been a broadening i think the wellness industry is such a an interesting one and it has it has many flaws and it has it has many areas of it that i find you know less positive and helpful particularly for women but i think what's what's interesting about the wellness space is that it has opened society up to thinking in a more holistic fashion about how you nourish yourself throughout your life and that is only valuable you know and i think um we get to midlife particularly it's often the recognition that the tools that have got you to this point aren't necessarily the ones that are going to help you get through the next stage that is the most important thing to Mm -hmm. to recognize and again women who have almost come to the edge you know have almost got to a point where they're burnt out and, and and therefore they have no choice but to stop and rethink I think those women particularly are the ones that come back into the community with that story and that real desire to help us learn that, you know, this this kind of myth that women should be able to have it all and do it all is not going to help you as you transition through menopause. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not. Or you can have, <laughs> have it all and do it all, but maybe not all at once. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> More than narrative we'd like. We won't want to say we're limited, but yes, we can't. We can't, as both you and I have experienced, mm. live at that pace. Mm. It, it, it it, the body doesn't allow us and it sends us signals that we've probably ignored I don't know what that's happened to you that it was probably sending you small signals that we are rushing around and not listening and then suddenly it just says no enough, enough enough yeah
0: yeah and I think I mean I think the other thing sort of from a mental point of view and sort of having spoken to you know a number of of, um, coaches working in uh, the menopause sphere is that women often Kind of uh, carry with them into the menopause um, all kinds of sort of uh, insecurities that they've had from their you know right from their early sort of uh, teenage years and beyond and that they've never really come to terms with you know sort of this sense of imposter syndrome you know Mm -hmm. that kind of perpetuates um, uh, women's ability to feel comfortable as they move up the career ladder and the the sense of guilt that they often carry that they're sort of stretching themselves too thinly and I think often sadly as you say our bodies do get to a point where they they just demand attention at at this point of life but it's also an opportunity to to sort of unpick some of that stuff and I think that's probably why we do emerge happier it's not necessarily that we we do find this magic formula for having it all and and doing it all but we work out actually what we want to have and I think that's that's the most valuable thing that menopause can bring, that if you if you allow yourself time to explore areas that you might not have uh, ever allowed yourself to explore before. That's that's the point where really you can kind of you know step into being your, sort of your true self, as, as a lot of the women in the wellness space will talk to this. This idea that, um, you know, you, you take control of how you want to be defined and you take control of, of what you want to be and do. Mm,
1: I think that and that is that having that sense of what are my values in life? Mm. And what is my purpose in life? You know, where, what do I want to, to actually do? What's important to me? And I think that there isn't a I don't know your view, but I don't personally see that that's one thing or the other. It's whatever you want. It's your story and you write it now.
0: Yes. And I think that's I think that's a really interesting point, um, particularly around menopause, because there has been almost a single narrative um, up until this point around what menopause is um how you'll experience it if you don't experience it in that kind of very stereotypical sort of media managed way i.e you know hot flashes and standing in a fridge and waking up in the middle of the night with you know in a pool of sweat that's basically menopause you know forget the other 34 symptoms (laughs) associated with it you know that is menopause and um you know and and tantrums and and mood swings and you know your partners and family members rolling their eyes in the corner Um, and i think um you know, what we're learning is that the tools that you need, the, the, the decisions you make, they have to be as individual as you are. And actually your menopausal journey is in, entirely individual. It's very rare to meet someone who has exactly the same experience um, going through it in terms of how their body behaves. And I think, you know, it took a while. If you, I often compare the menopause um, transition to uh, pregnancy. And obviously the main difference being that not every woman uh, chooses to or can get pregnant. But you have 8 to 10 months of your life, uh, if you're a pregnant lady, where your body goes through three distinct biochemical changes. We talk about the trimesters. We understand it. We understand that every every woman's pregnancy journey is different. And yet the menopause, you know, for a start, every woman goes through it. So there's not that that element of of choice or or, um, uh, involved, but everyone gets it. But also it's 8 to 10 years rather than 8 to 10 months. And yet the narrative is is really single minded and the attention given to it by the sort of medical community and also just generally in society is is so many miles away from the support and the understanding and the education that surrounds fertility
1: yeah i agree and i totally agree with you that that it is this unfolding um change because it's not like well hormones are here and then they're here are they i mean they are fluctuating they're declining there's other things going on with us at the same time, because we're going through big psychological and societal changes as we go through physiological ones. So we're mm. navigating maybe even more than we are in pregnancy, shorter term and very and defined and everybody going, isn't it lovely you're having a baby? And talking to you at all. It's like, no, I don't want to hear about your yeah. menopause journey really, but it yeah. is, Unfolding um, experience, and you can start by maybe feeling very moody. You can end up having mm. a hot flush uh, period where you maybe for a period of six months all you do is boiling hot, and you're not. Yeah. You know, it's it's so individual, and um, and you know, and I think that you're right. This sort of standard, this is what it is, is is not. Actually, very helpful for today's woman who is different because of her ethnicity, the age she starts yeah. this, you know, her past medical history, the stress she's under. There, it's just an enormous uh, set of factors that that yeah. have to be worked through. So, a catch all doesn't work.
0: No, and I think I think that's a really important point as well when sort of considering how you support this life stage. I think the, the the mistake perhaps is you look at that aisle in your health food st- store and you think that a tablet or a supplement is going to be a silver bullet and you know we've been really conscious as a brand taking to market a series of, of um, nutritional powders that we're not the silver bullet either. You know we may have um, the, the sort of the lab backed Uh, research into ingredients um, and we may have the trial data with our community that helps drive our innovation but we'd never promise that by taking m powder you're going to wake up tomorrow and feel amazing Uh, because unfortunately that that doesn't seem to be possible Um, and and that's why we're so focused on almost exploring and being part of that journey with the women in our community around well what else does help you know is it cognitive behavioral therapy is it acupuncture is it just Doing a massive HIIT workout, you know, and understanding how your hormones uh, react to exercise at different points in your cycle, you know, understanding how stress in the workplace impacts on your hormones and your adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. You know, living through this current uh, moment in time, and I'm sure you've found this amongst your community, women are struggling even more because the underlying, you know, anxiety that has come as a result of a, a, a global pandemic means that our hormones and our testosterone particularly you know is even more yeah. flux and so all of the symptoms that that women would would expect to experience and have been experiencing have been you know exacerbated by this moment in time you know and then you lay on top of the fact that you know we're at home we might be juggling a job we might be worried about elderly parents we might be worried about our children's schooling you know all of those things uh, sort of impacting in a very sort of specific way on the female experience in midlife and I think um what's interesting is that this pandemic has also perhaps shined a a spotlight on the importance of wellness you know Mm -hmm. and and the fact that actually you know you can't escape your body you're in it so you know whether it's sort of a meltdown that comes about because you've not listened to signals for so long, which is definitely what happened to me, or whether it's actually this period of of lockdown which has forced us all to consider the way that we live and and how much we prioritise our health. I think it's going to be very interesting emerging from it, not just about how we as a a sort of a global community um, address the life balance that we need to have to stay well, but also for women, you know, this period of time has, I think, perhaps... Heightened for many in our community, um, the opportunity almost they have to take control again of, of, of um, their lives and what they want to, what they want their lives to be, and therefore, you know how they want to nourish their bodies and minds. Yes,
1: I, I think that that is such an important point in time that we're living in, and I think you've brought up so many of the factors that are now at play here in this this unique moment and. For some women, I think they, they have when like, whoa, I don't move, I don't eat all day, um, I spend all my days drinking coffee, and as a yeah. time to actually realize and relish that you can take breaks, move around and do your other things. I think for some women it's been overwhelming because you have your partner two inches from your face and children here and actually working from home has somebody another coach said to me we haven't been cooking meals we've been running restaurants <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: which, is, which is so right you know suddenly we realize how much of that side of life we actually take alongside. Um, working and there's not the respite because often we can go off to work and offload some of our duties to others and that all of that has come together and what does that mean for us as women that's an yeah interesting time for us to renegotiate our boundaries I think
0: yes and I think boundaries boundaries are uh well they're really important at this point in midlife as well and I think I think what we're also seeing particularly in the UK is as this period of, of perhaps self-reflection has has been brought about as a result of the world just stopping in a way that no one could ever have anticipated, I'm seeing that the publications, you know, the media titles in the UK are going in inside themselves too. And so, what we've seen in the UK is is that the menopause has become a subject and a topic that has only gained momentum in the last three or four months. And I think it's it's interesting. I think you know, if I look at it from a pure sort of statistical perspective one in three editors in the UK now is female. Uh, so the broadsheets and the tabloids, you know, the, mm. the sort of the narrative and the topics that are being covered have, have a female agenda in a way that they didn't 10 years ago. Mm. Um, but I think it's also as a result of us all working out what it is we want the, the life that we merge into to be. And, and there does seem to be that the, the women, um, perhaps, who are uh, running these titles are looking at their own lives and they're looking at their sort of, you know, the, the, the resolutions perhaps that they will make as they emerge from this period. And, and, and that has resulted in a huge sort of um, exploration of menopause, midlife, the role of women generally in society, and as you say, you know, the boundaries that we need to put in place for us all to thrive healthily and for society to function well.
1: And I think when I hear that, I realise that that isn't where the rest of the world is quite at either. So it's it's quite interesting that mm. this is not a huge discussion topic in the US. I mean, there are a lot of other bigger issues really blowing up there. Mm. But somehow the women's agenda is has not come up in the same way. And when you say to people like I do, oh, I'm a menopause coach, they go, Oh my God, is there such a thing, even? You know, because it really is very low on the radar, yet they recognize the value of it. Uh, Or if we were to turn to Southern Europe or or even to Asia, where I'm increasingly seeing this is becoming a discussion topic in places like India and and China that hasn't even started to really talk, but they recognize it. I think we are only going to see people look at the UK and learn from there and then begin to see how that rolls out. And then the narratives will be different because the start points are different, but there is an increasing uh, presence of women in more senior places, as you said, and this conversation has got to start happening or is happening, but it's still, it's still a long way
0: behind. Yeah, and I find that fascinating as well. And sort of talking to uh, colleagues and peers in the US, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I've been sort of surprised in a way because you have had in the US celebrities using their platform, to be quite vocal about their own menopause transitions. And there's been almost a a celebration and a holding up of, you know, J-Lo in her 50s pole dancing or or Oprah talking about the the sort of the empowerment she felt as a result of transitioning through menopause. But as you say, sort of in terms of the impact that's had on on the sort of the broader media debate and and the impact that's had on women every day, Mm that it it hasn't sort of risen in the same way. But when I look at um, innovation in the menopause space, you know, I see two things. You know, One is that there's a lack of products coming to market that can genuinely provide, I guess, alternative, you know, choice and, and um, alternative routes through the menopause. But what I am seeing is a bubbling up of tech platforms that are looking to provide women with access, perhaps, to those specialists. And you do see that happening in the States. So you might not see sort of innovation from a product point of view, but what you're seeing is that early sort of stage of the market establishing itself, where it's pulling together you know you, you have marketplaces in the US where they might not be creating their own products but they're finding the ones that exist and they're putting them all in one place for you or they're providing digital consultations with menopause specialists or, or gynecologists yes. um, and so they're recognizing that, that that there needs to be destinations that women can go to to find support so that that you see in the states but as you say you're not having that broader societal debate in the UK we've been incredibly lucky that it's been really grassroots activism that has resulted in this 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 coming up the agenda you know the fact that it was referenced at the Labour Party conference last year the fact that we had legislation passed in government to change secondary school education so we're actually taught about it which is helpful um uh so (laughs) it's been quite shocking that that wasn't the case um and and that that continues to be a movement driven by women who've had truly horrible experiences you know that that's the thing that really unites the UK I think is that women have 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 actually come together and so this just isn't acceptable and so the women at the forefront of those grassroots campaigns are often women who've had particularly hard times themselves and again as we were talking about in in the way that i've seen that in my survey data they just want to ensure that it doesn't happen for other people um and that the power of those individuals into galvanizing women to sign petitions and lobby governments and, and, and make change happen has been incredibly well incredibly helpful but also really inspiring to see
1: yeah i feel very inspired at sitting on on the other side of the north sea and watching this <laughs> <video>. that's amazing <laughs> and 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 i say to people that there's a lot to learn from here that can mm. that can flow to not just to the northern european countries but you know to the us to australia and and you know we hope eventually to other markets too where women are struggling with bigger cult bigger cultural issues but the debate has started and i feel that for me makes me feel we're on a journey because this is just yeah. a journey and, and there is no end to the journey. It's just continues to, to unfold, but we have a lot to be inspired by. And I know you're part of, part of that. But if I could ask you, if you think there were three things that you would say to women were incredibly um valuable for them to take away and think about uh, when coming into this phase of life from your community, from your own experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, the thing that um, the most important thing I think for women to be aware of is um, that you shouldn't be brushed off. You know, that you, you know your body best. And there is a danger that the first conversation you have with a health professional may result in them telling you that it's nothing to worry about. Uh, that it's that that your symptoms aren't really worth um, looking to find a solution for and what you really need is some rest and I think that that is is a really dangerous message to convey to women because we do tend to put ourselves at the bottom of the to-do list and the care list anyway Mm -hmm. particularly at this stage of life and it's very very difficult to push back when you're feeling at your lowest and you're being told by a professional that what you're experiencing isn't something you should be worried about so I think a top tip would be don't let them tell you it's nothing uh, and make sure that you you go into your GP surgery if that's where you end up with the knowledge that what you're experiencing is likely to be associated with the menopause. so there's a lot of information out there now and there's actually a lot of support available online where you can even find documents that allow you to print out and tick the symptoms you've got and almost hand them over to your doctor so you're almost drawing, j- joining the dots for them because you know at the end of the day, doctors are general practitioners. And so it's highly likely that when you go into a doctor's surgery, they won't have had the training on menopause to allow them perhaps to understand that this myriad of symptoms may be pointing to a biological change in your body. So if you can help them, I think that's really, really important. Um, And I think the the other really important thing, I know it's something that you and I were talking about at the beginning of this interview, is mindset's really important. So it's not an end of life stage. Um, in fact, uh, the Chinese have a, a wonderful phrase for the menopause and they call it the second spring. Um, and I love the fact that the stats paint a very different picture. So it's not me or anyone else in the space looking to kind of ask you to put on your rose tinted glasses. It's actually based on fact, you know, we are more likely to be happy. We're more likely to be successful entrepreneurs. We're more likely to, um, deliver into uh, society value based on wisdom and an increased empathy all of these things make us assets as opposed to people that should just be shuffling off into the corner so so reframing your mind I don't think you can underestimate the impact that has on the way that you approach this life stage it's really really important And so go off and find the things that inspire you go and find the narratives that are taking place that are, are actually far more reflective of midlife than the things you'll see in mainstream media make that your purpose to go and find those women that are going to guide you and I think that's the final point sort of leads into that a little bit Um, I talk a lot about you know inputting differently in order to output differently and I think the tools that get you to this stage of life may not serve you as you transition through the metaphors Mm -hmm. and thinking and being open to changing small things in your everyday routines that could actually make a huge difference to both your body and mind are really worth exploring and if they don't work that's absolutely fine retire them and go on and find something else that that kind of drives you because again everybody is different but but allow yourself to be open to these new interventions because i think there's huge merit in in a lot of them and i'm i'm the worst cynic i'm 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 not very good at embracing new things i tend to be quite set in my ways and i've had to really learn um, and the, the easiest way I think to do that is to say I don't have to keep doing it I'll just I'll just try one class or I'll just try one meditation session I'll just try one plant-based meal because um, you don't have to stick to it but I think being open to that and recognizing that it, it actually makes sense to to use this as an opportunity to see you know what will carry you forward uh, and being open to those possibilities.
1: I think that's a wonderful tip actually having a beginner's mind you know that Yeah try this um, and I'll give it a go and I might give it a go a couple of times and the more we can be like that the more we can find our way through that myriad of advice that's out there because there's a lot and start as you say we create our own little thing and and it and it's not really doesn't really matter if it doesn't work for anybody else because if 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 you love going for a walk eating this plant-based, doing whatever it is that's good for you, and you feel better, and it's a feeling not what we look like necessarily, although that shines through, then, you know, Mm. run with it because it's actually nobody else's business,
0: (laughs) but yours. Exactly, exactly. Totally agree, totally agree. And I think um, we had, we've been doing a series of workshops with our communities. We've um, trialed our first product. And one of the things we try to do is there's a program alongside it, which allows women access to experts from all kinds of fields. You know, everything from sort of hormone cycle coaches to yogis to breathwork practitioners. And we had a session last Thursday and one of the women in our community, we sort of came out from a meditation. This, this um, amazing um, breathwork practitioner had taken us through um, probably a three or five minute meditation. And this lady emerged from it and said, do you know what I'd always got this picture in my head of someone very serene sitting on top of a mountain you know with an ability to just empty their mind of, of all thought and you know in, in order to reach fulfillment she said you know I like lay on the floor my mind's buzzing I can't stop thinking about the shopping list you know I know what I need to do the minute that I, this, this session finishes is that okay and the, and the breathwork practitioner said that's that's absolutely okay and actually recognizing the sort of the busyness of your mind is the first step and I think so often in life, we think that there's, you know, there's a success criteria. You have to be good at something. But as you say, a beginner's mindset is a really, really useful way to look at it because all of these things can be incredibly helpful. And what was lovely about this lady is she never would have done a meditation session if if um, she'd been given the option. But the fact it was part of the programme meant she had to come with a beginner's mindset. And she got something from it. You know, she genuinely felt better as a result of, of um, having those five minutes of, of um, lying on the floor. So she She's an inspiration to all of us actually.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your wisdom, your perspective and and the learnings that are coming from your community. What's next for M powder?
0: Well, um so this is a really exciting point that we're talking in that we, as I was discussing earlier, our powders are based on the potential of plants um, seen in trial conditions. And then we've worked with nutritionists uh, to almost establish the longer term learnings that come about as a result of working with women every day. Um, And the final piece of the jigsaw has been what's been taking place over the last two months. So having a community of women taking our product every day, tracking their symptoms every week and feeding back to us has allowed us to tweak our recipes and understand the impact that they have and what kind of symptoms we impact at what point in a two month journey. So all of that has been incredibly useful. And so the next stage is to launch. The peri-boost which is our first powder um, designed for perimenopause and that hits the shelves in September so that's quite that's quite a, a nerve-wracking thought for me and I can't believe that September is is, is kind of around the corner um, <laughs> but what I've loved about it is it has felt like the, the trial although you know um, in many ways uh, I felt incredibly vulnerable handing over my my recipes to a cohort of women that I didn't know that were from all walks of life and had all kinds of, of journeys leading into their menopause. Um, to have them sort of feedback with brutal honesty and generosity of spirit has meant that this feels more like a movement than a product set. Now, you know, I really feel that the the, the makers, as we call them, have got you know not only the wisdom that have has driven our product refinement. But that there's a sort of there's a there's a sense of collective purpose now. So M Powder for me is really so much more than a product set, it is this community and 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 sort of tapping into the wisdom of women to create a product range and a sort of a lifestyle um offering that can that can genuinely sort of flex to reflect every woman's menopause journey. So that you know that that's a really exciting thing, you know, that that I'm 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 curious and excited to see what happens over the next few months.
1: That's wonderful. And Rebecca, how do people get in connect with you, find out what you're doing, take the survey and more?
0: <laughs> so we are a bit like yourselves. We're we're on Instagram. We found that a really helpful um community to be part of. So people can find us at MPowder Store, or one word. Um, our website is www.mpowder.store as well. And from mid-july they will be able to pre-order the Perry boost if they would like to um but i think the thing that we're we're most uh, looking to do as we build out our community is to find fellow makers so if people are interested in trialing our products you know we have a number of products coming to market over the next six months each of these will go through a really robust two-month trial with women mm-hmm. so you know join our community on instagram look out for the invitations to test our product and feedback to us and and be part of the conversation so i think the more women sharing the stories uh, the better the better we'll all feel
1: that's wonderful so to the listeners they are connect and if you want to get involved get involved if you want to pre-order pre-order at mpowder store that's wonderful and follow them on instagram they put up amazing posts too they're very inspirational Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on Thriving Through Menopause and sharing your wisdom, your stories, and all the best of success to this launch phase. Thank you for having us. Lovely to talk. Lovely. Thank you. If menopause is putting a strain on your sex life, relationships, leaving you foggy and moody, then I invite you to join me in this conversation, Menopause and Mimosas. I'm thrilled to be part of a lineup of amazing women who want to support you. We'll be talking brain health, nutrition, moods, libido, and mindset. You don't have to do this journey alone. Grab a ticket, bring a friend, bring your questions with Mimosa in hand. Join the live conversation on Saturday the 12th of September. Don't hear about it. Be there. There's a link to sign up in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rebecca. Check out Empowder Store, get involved in their community, maybe even trial their products. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then don't forget to like, subscribe and share to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next week, I will be back with an amazing guest, Samuel and we will be talking about sleep and the role that cannabinoids can play to help us sleep better. Until next time, go out. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization.
0: Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Whatever you're saving up for,